Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984, directed and written by Wes Craven, starring Heather Langenkamp, Robert England, Johnny Depp, and John Saxon, and in this classic slasher, a group of high school students are all haunted by the same striped sweater-wearing villain in their dreams. And before we get started, I want to give another quick shout out to all of our Patreon supporters, Moon Monk, Becca, Margo, Blake, Kelly, and our newest patron, Sam, uh, who's a friend of mine who recently reached out to say he's digging the show. So thanks, Sam, and thanks to all of you who support us there on Patreon. And Ash, I can't believe we're 115 episodes into this podcast and we haven't discussed a Wes Craven movie. Oh my god, uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, we did a, a remake that way, he did the original of, right? With Hills yeah, we Eyes. did the Hills Have Eyes remake, so, I yeah. mean, we've mentioned his name plenty of times, but we've never de- dedicated an episode to one of his movies. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I actually, uh, I was surprised going through his filmography after watching this one, um, he hasn't done, like, as many films as I thought he has done, uh, like, what, he's done, like, 10 or 15 horror films? Yeah, maybe something like that. It's not as extensive as like a John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but if I had to like think of like my favorite horror directors, he he's up there. He would be up there. That's yeah. I mean, this and Scream alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I love Scream, and that that's a great franchise. Um, and this one, uh, have you seen like a lot of his other work, like uh, the original Hills Have Eyes, or he did that Last House on the Left as well. Uh, I've seen the original Hills Have Eyes. I've seen The People Under the Stairs. Um, I've seen Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is a sequel later on down the road to this. Okay. Um, But no, there's still a lot of Wes Craven movies I haven't seen, so I'm I'm anxious to dig in more because I really really enjoy everything I've seen. Yeah. That was kind of a big realization for me looking at his filmography. He's this big name that we're all uh, used to and so big in the horror field. Uh, But yeah, I feel like I've only seen... Uh, the Scream franchise, and and now I'd, I'd actually never seen this one before. So, uh, yeah. oh man, yes, I meant to ask. I <laughs> I know when we talked about it, you couldn't remember if you had seen it. Wow, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I didn't want to. Uh, uh, yeah, I was. I, was really, I, I guess I shocked myself when I watched this and realized I'd never <laughs> seen it before. <laughs> had you seen any Freddy movies? Uh, no. Which oh, you know, I did see Freddy versus Jason, which. Uh, I, is that is that was that that wasn't Wes Craven was it? No, no. Okay, yeah, uh, or yeah, yeah. Then no, I haven't seen the other Freddy movies. <laughs> yeah, he's only done two of them. Okay, which ones? The uh, this one and this one and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. So this is oh, okay. a great time for me to just run through all of them. Right, because you, you've done uh, an episode on all of them, right? Yeah, I did a Patreon episode where it was just me ranting by myself about all the movies in this franchise because I like watch them all in the span of two or three nights staying up late with our newborn. Great. That sounds awesome. So yeah, it was. It was awesome. These are the exact movies that you need to watch at like three or four in the morning. <laughs> Delirious. Yeah. So yeah, wait, there, there are like uh, nine or ten of them? Yep, there are nine of them. So there's this one, A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. The follow-up was A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge from 1985, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors from 87, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street The Dream Master from 88, Nightmare on Elm Street The Dream Child from 89, 
then Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare from 1991. And then in 1994, Wes Craven came back for Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And then Freddy vs. Jason in 2003 and the excruciating remake a nightmare on elm street from 2010 oh is it that bad which some people like but most people are like yeah this sucks oh man i don't know the whole time i was watching this i was like i I bet the remake's awesome (laughs) i'm anxious to see what you what you thought about this movie man all right (laughs) yeah yeah this should be good um so this is a a slasher supernatural slasher but it is much more supernatural than like halloween or friday the 13th Mm-hmm. And and people often group this one, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, um, Halloween, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre together, right? Like those are like kind of the four big villains. Yeah, and like the big three are Michael, Jason, and Freddy. Yeah, with a it's just leatherface close behind. Right. It's interesting how different Freddy is from like those other two or three in terms of like he has like a character, he can speak, um, he wears a top hat. It's right. interesting. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't wear a mask. Right, he doesn't wear a mask, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. But yeah, I, I, I hear you more. You think, like, he's more supernatural than, like, a Mike Myers who, like, you can't kill. Like, there's something supernatural about Mike Myers, right? And Jason, Right, I guess. yeah, and Jason. But, like, there's something supernatural about Freddy in that, like, you're, inhibit- you're inhabiting, like, his reality. And, like, mm-hmm. it's, the lines are blurred between what's real and what's not. Yeah, right. And he can just do things that are not possible in day-to-day life sure aside from just not easily being killed and and that's kind of what people praised about this movie back in 1984 with that like blur between reality versus um the dream it sounds like that that made a big buzz i guess yeah I i saw a couple of uh critics reviewing this uh at the time who who mentioned that as an attribute okay yeah that's interesting um but uh Oh, I was like, I wanted to correct something. He wears a fedora, not a top hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and it's got his name stitched on it. Yep, case. stitched in, stitching died on the back. Yep. Who does that with the hat? I know, <laughs> I know especially like a, a villain. An like adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if I lose this at recess, I want everyone to know whose it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that kind of has a messed up vibe, actually, for Freddy. Um, so the budget for this movie was $1.8 million. The box office was $57 million. So tons tons of money compared to its budget. Mm-hmm. And this was New Line Cinema's big break. It was, like, one of the first movies they produced, and it was the first commercial success. Like, they had been distributing movies, but they hadn't produced anything. Right. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, really cool. Uh, did um, you read with like the budget? There was like a lot of uh, like people would come in and come out. Like a lot of like it sounded like most of the people who like funded it like pulled out at some points, and like it yeah. ended up being produced by some like Yugoslavian guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounded like he was one of the biggest financiers. Yeah, yeah, it's like a hodgepodge of people. Yeah, sounded like a wild ride. Right. <laughs> uh, Johnny Depp's first role. I couldn't believe that, man. I remember uh, I was watching this and I was looking at that kid. I was like, oh, he kind of looks like Johnny Depp, but like, there's no way that's him. But holy shit, that's, this is his like film debut, basically? Yep. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, the credit, the film credit at the opening credits said introducing Johnny Depp. Damn. You never hear about that or you never think about that when people mention Johnny Depp. 
Yeah, man. A lot of big big names were in in horror movies as their first thing. I guess, yeah. It seems like an easy way to get into on the screen. Yeah. Did you read how Jen or uh, Jennifer <laughs> I'm thinking of uh Jennifer Aniston getting her big break in Leprechaun. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, called Wes Craven Jennifer. <laughs> um did you hear how he got this idea? Um, I saw a few theories. Uh, which which version are you talking about? The articles on the deaths that he read. The Asian death syndrome. Yeah, yeah. So there were real life deaths happening in immigrants from Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam, who died during their sleep. And at least one of them reported being afraid to go to sleep because they knew they would die. This was like in L.A., right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had a. Uh, a coffee maker, one of these guys, in his bedroom closet. Uh, oh, and that coffee maker is, is like in the film. Yeah, yeah. So okay. that's like where he got that scene from, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. That that's crazy. That that was like an actual thing going on in the seventies. Um, yeah, but, they still don't know what caused it. Yeah, that's really weird. It was basically like refugees from like prison camps after the fallout of the Vietnam War who came to the U.S. and doctors theorized it was something about all the trauma that they had experienced but that doesn't seem right right nobody knows why it happened yeah do you any idea like how many people died from that um it wasn't a crazy amount but it was enough to be like what the hell yeah like like suspicious yeah yeah i think it might have been like a hundred or something that's crazy i yeah i definitely want to research that one That, that i'd never heard about that uh thing back then yeah, I read an article or two. It's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, yeah, but then there were some other inspirations. Like, he talked, Wes Craven talked about how when he was a kid, there was a dude walking by his house, kind of dressed like Freddy, and, like, saw him up in his room. Right. And he, like, ducked and hid, and then when he came back, the guy was still there staring at him. Oh, yeah. That so, would, that'd be pretty freaky. Yeah. This is uh, when Wes Craven uh, was living in Ohio. Probably. I assume he was living... I can't remember how long he was living in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I don't know either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting that uh, when they were first trying to find a studio, uh, Disney was one of the earlier ones that expressed interest, but they wanted to make this into like a kid's movie. Yeah, that's nuts. That is nuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I could see that at the same time. Like, this exactly. is a very... Not kid-friendly, but like this would be a perfect... like your first real horror movie. Yeah, it's kind of got like some fantasy elements, like all about like being in the dreams and like fighting monsters in your dreams. Yeah, uh, and it's of. like a very teenage story, mm-hmm. which we'll get into more. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that, that would have been really interesting if, if, the, if it had gone that route. Yeah. It been a lot different. Yeah, so apparently this script went around Hollywood for, for three years before New Line bit on it. Yeah. Is Elm Street ever actually referenced in this film? I don't remember if they say it or not in this movie. Oh, okay. I mean, they I, I, certainly do in later ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we just assume, like, these houses are on all on the same street? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I love... The children of Elm Street. Right, yeah. I I, I love, uh, like, in 80s, like, that whole genre of, like, these slashes and stuff, how it all, like, takes place in the suburbs. That's such a cool setting for all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think that makes it more, like, kid-focused, too, or, like, kid-centric. Like, yeah, I just feel like a suburban 
like kid slash teenage bedroom is always like a good chunk of the sets. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't imagine like trying to carry that into like a city vibe or something because you'd have a very small room. Like you can't just like go biking out on the street all the time and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it'd be very different. Yeah, and as we've talked about before, like it's a a place you that everyone assumes is safe. Like, sure. if you live there, you feel like it's safe. If you don't live there, you feel like it's the epitome of of safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, and yeah, and like that small town vibe of like, yeah, you know the sheriff, and uh, everyone knows each other's names. Right. Speaking of sheriffs, uh, John Saxon plays. Nancy's dad, who is a lieutenant, and he also played the lieutenant in Black Christmas. In the original Black Christmas? Yeah. Did you recognize him? I didn't recognize him, no. Yeah. But he's definitely got that sheriff look. Yeah, he really does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Black Christmas would have been like a few years before this one, right? Um, Black Christmas, I want to say, was 74. Oh, okay. So almost 10 years. Wow. 10 years apart. I think it was 74 or 76. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. He had a hairpiece on in this movie. Oh. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this I mean, this is one of the most popular horror movies mm-hmm. in the world. I'm sure we could probably go on and on for background info, but anything else you want to get in before we start spoiling things and walk through the plot and review it? Uh, yeah, the other interesting thing, uh, I realized like when they were looking at, uh, weapons for his hands, um, they had considered using a sickle, which, uh, that would have been like a pretty different again, right? Like not having Freddy Krueger having the claws and more just like kind of using a weapon. Yeah. Um, it's hard to imagine him without the iconic claws, but at the same time, I feel like a sickle could have worked. Yeah. That would have been pretty creepy. Uh, yeah. cause I, I don't really understand the, the claws that well. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about that when we get into the story. Yeah. But some interesting stuff. I don't think there's much to understand. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, no, that's all I got. You got a Ohio connection for us? Yeah, an Ohio connection from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. Go to jukeboxcle.com, and you can order beer or wine or even food for pickup in your car. Uh, so let's see. So Alex says, it's hard to ignore the obvious Ohio connections to Cleveland native Wes Craven and the fictitious town setting of Springwood, Ohio. However, Mm -hmm. I wanted to dig a little bit deeper. The school featured throughout the film is John Marshall High School located in the Los Filos district of Los Angeles, California. This has been the featured school locale in countless films and television shows over the years, most notably Grease, Boy Meets World, Can't Hardly Wait, Space Jam, The Wonder Years, and the 1992 film Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a cult classic starring Christy Swanson and Luke Perry. Luke Perry is from Mansfield, Ohio. Oh, wow. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't Luke Perry have like a... Isn't he like from a family of actors? Or is that someone else? Um, I don't know, to tell you the truth. Oh, okay. I, I thought uh, he had a brother or sister. I was also an actor. But yeah, I didn't know he was from Ohio. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um... That's awesome. Man, that's so funny. Uh, I had a feeling those two were like too obvious for him and Alex would have to or would want to like dive in deeper and try to find something more obscure. Yeah, he can't he can't take the low hanging fruit. <laughs> I know. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Uh okay man, well let's keep going, but 
do you mind if I call you back? I'm getting this really strange sensation on my face, and I think I need to take a break and figure out what's going on. Sure, okay. All right, I'll be right back. All right. Okay, man, I'm back. Very funny. I just re- realized you've been licking me through the phone this whole time. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really weird. You didn't notice. <laughs> I thought you were just like really into it. <laughs> oh, speaking of into it, man, what did you get into for dinner? <laughs> A lot of garlic. Garlic. <laughs> I smell garlic and hot water on your breath. Yeah. <laughs> you ever have that? It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I took a page out of your book and I'm drinking hot water tonight. No kidding, really? Yeah, I don't. It's not helping. Oh, okay. But what do you think? Like, is it? Uh, do Do you like the taste or like the effect or the feeling? Oh, it's fine. <laughs> no real I opinion. It, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I, I find it like very uh, relaxing, and it's kind of like soothing in a way. It is a little bit relaxing. Yeah. Sorry for the tangent, everybody. Ashvin and I were just talking about how since uh, COVID-19, our voices get really tired really quickly because we don't talk to anybody anymore. (laughs) This is like the most talking we do all week. Yeah, really is. All right. So on with with our business. So this movie starts with the teenage girl, and this is Tina, Um, not our main character, but her name's Tina, and she's running through a boiler room being stalked by Freddy who at first we just see as a shadowy figure, and we eventually see more of him and see his bladed glove. And she wakes up from the dream to find that she has four slashes in her nightgown that match his blades. The next morning, she reveals to her friends the next morning that she had a horrible dream, and they're going to come stay at her house this tonight while her mom's away to keep her company. And so her friends are Nancy Thompson, the main character, her boyfriend Glenn, and Tina's boyfriend Rod, who's kind of like the 80s leather jacket wearing dude who like keeps a comb on his person at all times. Yeah, didn't he feel like like a character out of Greece or something? He just felt so out of place to me. He really did. And the characters in these 80s movies like this always have a switchblade. Oh, yeah, I know. It's just, just like something every teenager has. Standard issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're, like, you're, you're bringing it out like every conversation. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, I, I didn't understand this at all. Like you're in a suburb in Ohio and suddenly you got this guy with like a Brooklyn accent and a switchblade walking around. Wild. Yeah. So his character was meant to be like Italian. Yeah. Um, and even the name he went under, I wish I had written down his names, but he was billed like under an Italian pseudonym for this movie because he is, I don't know what country was what he was from, but he's a Latino actor and his agent uh-huh. was like, yeah, that's not going to work. Like oh, Latino no actors don't have jobs. Wow. So they like kind of covered it up or gave him a different identity in a way. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so while Nancy and Glenn are over at Tina's house, we learn that Nancy also dreamed about Freddy. They don't know his name at this point. They're just like calling him that creep. Um, and even though Glenn doesn't say so, you can kind of see on his face that maybe he had a dream about him too. Yeah. This part is really frustrating because I think throughout the whole movie, someone would be like, oh, well, that's what I do when I have bad dreams. And like they all kind of like hints that they're all having the same dream without actually like coming out and saying it, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nancy comes out and says it at this point pretty quickly in the movie, but... uh. Oh, that yeah, she's Glenn, having the same Glenn dream. Glenn and Rod. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. But Glenn and Rod are kind of withholding. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Rod, he crashes the party and pulls a switchblade on uh, Glenn. <laughs> and Nancy... Nancy does some, like, subtle badass things throughout this. She just, like, grabs the knife from him and retracts it and hands it back to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that night... So Rod ends up coming in and sleeping with Tina. So they're in bed together, and Tina has a nightmare and starts, like, thrashing around in bed. And Rod sees her get four slashes on her stomach. She gets spun around in the room in the air and, like, lifted up and dragged up the wall to the ceiling where she eventually falls onto the bed and splatters into a pool of blood. I like this uh, visual a lot of, like, yeah, you, you just see her, like, kind of being attacked without the attacker there. Good, yeah. I was wondering what you would think of this, because as I was watching this, I was like, that's still pretty freaky and I'm wondering yeah. what Oshman's gonna think because I have a feeling he's never seen this movie before <laughs> you nailed it yeah yeah uh, yeah no, I know I thought that was a really cool uh, scene and uh, yeah just because like Freddy Krueger's in there and the boyfriend just like watching her like kind of get like uh, yeah attacked without like someone there yeah like we see Freddy stalk, stalk her in the opening scene of the movie but I don't I think in this kill you don't even see her dream you just see what Rod sees yeah Right. So it's pretty cool. Um, Nancy and Glenn walk in on this. The police are called, and Rod flees the scene because he thinks people will assume it's him. Mm-hmm. And Nancy's dad, the next day, arrests Rod. And Nancy kind of gets frustrated because Rod like reaches out to Nancy, and it's like, you got to help me. And her dad was following Nancy, I think, because he had a feeling that Rod would come back to her. Yeah. So she's yeah. pissed at her dad because he used her as bait. And she even, like, jumps in front of his gun when he has it pointed at Rod. Oh, yeah. Right. And I think that's kind of what makes... Part of what makes this movie, like, a very teenager-focused movie and, like, a movie that I think would be a good entry level. Like, it's a violent movie, so it's not, like, the first kid... Depending on your kid, it may not be the first horror movie you want to show them, but it's something that, mm-hmm. like, uh, you could see a preteen, like, really latching onto because... sure. Like, Nancy's really, like, living a typical teenage experience. She's frustrated with her dad. She's frustrated with her mom. Like, she has all these people that she loves and really care about her, but they don't really understand her. Sure. Like, you think even it's... Glenn, her boyfriend, isn't really, like, taking this seriously, even though he wants to help. Yeah, yeah, right. So you think it's kind of like that whole, like, teenage rebellion uh, kind of feeling? Yeah. Yeah, for right. sure. Like, the whole world's against me type thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, you kind of get that in Nancy for sure. Yeah. And not to say, like, oh, she's, like, a whiny, moany, because, like, really, like, she's going through shit and nobody believes her, and yeah, her mom especially is, like, the worst. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That but, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like her versus the world, and, uh, yeah, she's kind of, like, owning this battle for the most part. Yeah, yep. Um, so later that day, Nancy's in school and she dozes off in class and she sees Tina in a body bag outside her classroom calling her name. And she goes out, leaves the classroom and sees Tina like laying on the floor in this body bag and her legs get like pulled up as if someone's grabbing them and drags her down the hallway. But you don't see the invisible force dragging her just like a trail of blood as she goes around the corner. Yeah, I think this, this is really another cool. one that I wanted yeah. to see what you thought of it. I I thought that visual of like her in a body bag and like you can barely make her out and there's like blood all in there. That's pretty sweet. 
Yeah, it's like, like a clear body bag, and it's just like full of blood. It's right. It's disturbing. It still still creeps me out. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good cool. visual. I'm glad. Very iconic scene. It is okay. Yeah. Um. So. This she kind of follows the trail of blood down this stairway stairway in school that goes to this boiler room. So she goes down there. She encounters Freddy. There's a bit of a chase. And she burns her arm on a hot pipe to wake herself up. Mm -hmm. And she wakes up in class and the wound is there, visible on her arm. Right. Um, And she shuffles out of class. And did you notice the teacher here is Lynn Shea from Insidious? Oh, no. Uh, Who is she in Insidious? I can't remember that movie well enough now. I think she's like the medium type woman. Ah, okay. Cool. Um, You got to revisit that one. Yeah, she's been in a handful of other horror movies, and I feel like she's kind of like a horror royalty to the the truest of nerds out there. Cool. Got it, yeah. Yeah. And she is the sister of Robert Shea, who produced this movie and essentially started New Line. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. That's a good connection. Um, Hey, uh, yeah, this uh, original, I like this attack scene here. Um, Two things jumped out at me. One, what do you think of the music? I love the music in this, um, mostly like the eerie type music in between action sequences, but um, right. I'm trying to think back on the action sequence music. I can't really remember it. What do you think of it? Uh, I, I like the in-between music because it is more synth-heavy and very eerie. During the action scenes, though, like this kind of like uh, beat kicks in, and it becomes like kind of dancey, which I felt like was like, really weird. I, I know like Freddy is like a um, like more animated compared to like other villains, and he's like chasing and taunting her, so uh, maybe that has something to do with it. But it just kind of caught me off guard, like this kind of uh, dancey music, um, which it's great music, but I'm not sure if it it kind of like uh, makes it more kind of like fun in a way. Right, um, and that's another stark difference between this and the other slasher franchises. Like, it's much more fun than, like, a yeah. Halloween or Friday or Leatherface. I mean, Friday's fun in its own right, but... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's, like, taking itself less seriously. Is that is that what you think? I think it's maybe a little bit, but also just, like, the supernaturalness of, supernaturalness of Freddy makes it so he can be a little bit silly. I guess, yeah. Like in one of the earlier sequences, I think, in the movie, his arms are like 10 feet long. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of spreading. (laughs) And it looks silly and kind of stupid, but it's also kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. It is kind of like that that whole idea of like a dream and uh, a fantasy kind of like being silly or kind of uh, wonky, I guess. Right. Like if you were having a dream that some creepy dude was chasing you and his like arms were like 10 feet long you wouldn't be like oh now i'm not afraid anymore (laughs) his arms are too long (laughs) that's true that's way too long (laughs) (laughs) oh those are way too long yeah yeah that's not a believable length of arms (laughs) uh that's true yeah that that kind of explains some of this here uh and that might all actually go to the second point too uh because yeah during this attack scene uh freddy's fedora really jumps out to me like why is this dude wearing a fedora um, but maybe that's also part of like this idea that it's kind of like a dream and kind of silly. Um, but you, you don't think that's like a weird character choice? Um, I think that was, I don't know. I, I like it. I mean, it's so iconic. It's so Freddy now that it's hard to even think about like separate Freddy from his hat. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, like looking back, like that's how we know Freddy. But, um, would you be scared of someone in a fedora? Sure. Really? I, like I mean, if they were chasing probably- me with a glove a blade of gloves a glove of blades <laughs> yeah yeah 
a plate yeah. of gloves. <laughs> Not gonna cut shit. <laughs> gonna cut your hand off, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Fedora to me, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't get it because then you kind of know that oh, well, that person's probably not going to want to lose their hat, so they probably aren't going to go all the way in terms of like trying to kill me. Like if I just duck or something, like they're not going to be able to move that fast because they're wearing a hat. <laughs> just knock that yeah. hat off. Yeah, if you, if you, it was a helmet, then you know it's strapped on. You know that person like means business. But a fedora, I don't know. It's kind of like you can't run really fast with a fedora because it's, it's going to fly off. Yeah. Unless it's, Just like, things. stuck to his head with melted flesh. Oh, yeah. That would be pretty cool. Like, yeah, yeah that would be pretty good. <laughs> Maybe that's what was going on. But he does appear occasionally without the fedora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think in the second half of this movie, we do see that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, yes, she goes to jail to talk to Rod, who tells her what he saw when Tina died and that he's been dreaming about this guy, too, and she's now convinced that it was Freddy that killed Tina. And she tries to go to find Freddy in her dreams, or maybe go check on Rod. I wasn't totally sure what her goal was here, but she goes to sleep and has Glenn watch over her. And she Mm -hmm. falls asleep, and in her dream, she goes to the jail. And through the window of Rod's cell, she sees that Freddy's about to kill him. And then her alarm goes off, and she wakes up, and she heads straight to the jail in real life to try to tell the cops that Rod's in danger. But by the time they get to his cell, Freddy has already hung Rod from some sheets to make it look like he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Died by suicide, excuse me. Um, and Nancy's mom then sends her to a sleep clinic where they can study her sleep. They wake her up after a thrashing nightmare and she wakes up with Freddy's fedora in her hands and a slash on her arm. So like she's, she learns here that she can take something back from the dream. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's when she figures that out. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, which is, yeah, a factor in in kind of like the uh, third act here. Yeah, right. And so when they get home from that, Nancy's mom, who's been hitting the bottle harder and harder, she's like always sneaking this vodka, she shows Nancy that down in the basement she's got Freddy's glove hidden in the cellar, and she explains that Freddy was a child murderer in their neighborhood who was like caught but didn't go to jail because of some loophole, like somebody signed the warrant in the wrong place or something. And the parents of the neighborhood cornered him in this abandoned boiler room, and they burned it to the ground. Isn't that like a wild revelation? Like yeah. Your parents, this group of parents got together and killed someone. To learn that like all your friends were being murdered when you were too young to remember, and all the parents got together and killed that person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Pretty mind-blowing. Right. Do you, is there ever uh, a movie in the future that shows that scene? The scene of the parents killing him? Yeah. I think they might show that in the new one. Okay. Um, and maybe even in Freddy's Dead. By the new one, I mean the remake from 2010, from 10 years ago. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think there might be a depiction of that in, in one of those two movies. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that, that like kind of idea just on its own is, is pretty wild. Yeah, both of those movies definitely do show Freddy, like, before he died. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't remember if they show the parents burning down the place or not. Is he, when he's alive, is he wearing the fedora and the sweater? Um, sometimes, I think. Okay. I don't think so in most of those scenes, actually, but yeah, it's it's hard for me to remember now. Okay. Um, so, 
earlier in the movie, it's just a couple of things that set up the third act here. Nancy's got a book that's like booby traps and like <laughs> self-defense. Yeah, I can't remember what the book's called, but it's all about like booby traps and home security. And in that same scene, Glenn is describing that he like read something about this culture where that they believed if you turned your back on your dream, like something scary in your dream, it would go away and it wouldn't hurt you. And so right before the third act kicks in, her mom is drunk and about to pass out. And she says to Nancy, you face things. That's your nature. That's your gift. But sometimes you have to turn away too. Mm-hmm. which I feel like is kind of a reminder of what Johnny Depp said to her. Oh, right, yeah. Like, you've got to turn away, too. Yeah, that was kind of like the, the, the recurring uh, sentiment that was being shared. Yeah. So, um, Nancy's mom has, like, barred up the windows on the house, all the windows of the house at this point, like a jail cell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Nancy, one, and locked the door from the inside with, like, a key. So Nancy can't get out. But she wants to warn Glenn, who lives across the street. But his dad, she calls and his dad hangs up on her. And we see Glenn get sucked into his own bed and a geyser of blood spews out onto the ceiling. That was crazy, that like blood volcano. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of the elevator scene in The Shining. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Just like a, yeah, ocean of blood coming out. Yeah. Speaking of nods to other movies, did you notice that Nancy was watching Evil Dead at one point in this? Right, yeah. I saw something where like the directors were kind of like paying tribute to each other in their own movies. Yeah, because if you remember in our Evil Dead episode, we mentioned, I think we mentioned it, there was a poster of The Hills Have Eyes on the in the basement. Oh, right, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Nancy, at this point, she calls her dad, who's now over at Glenn's house investigating the death of Glenn. She tells him to break down the door in 20 minutes because she's going to get Freddy. And her both of her parents just think she's like kind of gone crazy from all this stuff that's happened to her. They don't think that any of this dream stuff is real. Mm-hmm. So Nancy's got all these booby traps rigged up. She intends to go into her dream and bring Freddy out of it just like she did his hat. And she does that it- and she yeah. really like kicks his ass with these booby traps and stuff. Yeah. And she gets him down in the basement, lights him on fire and locks him down there. And the police eventually come after she's like screaming at them a bunch through a window she's shattered. And Mm -hmm. when they get in, they find fiery footprints leading upstairs. And Nancy and her dad go up there to find Freddy on fire on top of her mom. And they both sink into the bed together and like disappear. Was it clear to you that the dad saw Freddy? Because I know he like puts a blanket over the fire. I think he did like... He definitely okay. saw a person on fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, so her dad leaves the room, and Freddy does. He comes back, and this time she finally like turns her back on him and says, "I take away any energy I ever gave to you." And that seems like it does the trick, and it ends on a nice day. Her and her mom, both alive and well, exit the house, and her friends pull up in this convertible. She gets into the car with them. But then the roof comes down on the convertible by itself and it's red and green stripes like Freddy's sweater. (laughs) Yeah. And they're trapped in there and her mom gets sucked through the like tiny window of the front door back into the house. (laughs) Which looks silly, but also kind of a fitting end to this movie. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Not not the like the greatest quality of effects. Yeah, that part that wasn't the high watermark of effects for the movie. Right, right. So what do you think, man? First time watch. Can't yeah. believe it. I mean, I didn't see this until I was an adult either, but I'm I'm impressed that you haven't seen him. Yeah, yeah, somehow I've, I've uh, missed this uh, gem here. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, a lot of this movie, I feel like the acting was pretty bad, and, and the storyline, I feel like, didn't make a lot of sense, and, like, the character's actions were bad. But I, I'm into, like, this underlying story, which is more about, like, her uh, her parents and, be, like, her parents being this, like, terrible... Uh, yeah, just, like, her, her mother being, like, this terrible mother, and then her father being, like, a... Uh, an awful like person who I think I got the fact I I got the sense that like uh, the parents weren't even together because like when the dad shows up later uh, when the house across the street is being attacked he like drives which if he lived across the street wouldn't make much sense Um, yeah it does seem like they're separated or divorced yeah right uh, so I, I kind of feel like that was like the scary part of the movie. Otherwise, like I feel like uh, the the script and the acting and like Freddie's story like didn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, what, what did you think? I kind of disagree. I think it does make sense, and I think the parents are kind of the way they are as, like, the fallout of, like, their kid coming, growing up with, like, all these murders happening and the fact that they, like, together murdered somebody. Yeah. Like, I think it just kind of broke all the parents in the neighborhood um, to right. some degree. Um, oh. And so you think that's why, like, the mother's, like, this drunk who's, like, pretty useless at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like that, that, that backstory a lot that like, yeah, you have these parents who've like done something terrible and like, they've like, they're not, they're not like great and they're not there for their kids to be like supportive through this and they're kind of like doubting them and she's on her own. Yeah. But like, uh, they, I mean like you feel like the, the story of like Freddie is like this guy who haunts your dreams and who like is wearing a hat and who sometimes like can come out in real life and you can home alone him. Like that's, uh, that, that's like pretty believable. I do really like that, yeah. Like, I like the lines being blurred of, like, dreams versus reality because it takes a slasher movie, which is not always my favorite thing, and it gives it the supernatural, spooky, anything-can-happen vibe. Yeah. You really hate this hat, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love fedoras, but, like, yeah, on on, a, on this guy, it's just, it's just, it's it's weird. Uh, I, I like slashers, too. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting because I, I, like, I like the Halloween type or, like, the Jason type where... Um, there wasn't a lot of supernatural because a slasher is just like about like body counts and like something that's coming after you that you can't get away from. And this one, uh, I guess you don't have like a high body count, do you? Not really. No, three kids. Yeah, three kids. I mean, did you like the characters at all? I did. I mean, I didn't. Rod and Tina were just kind of there. Yeah. But I liked Glenn for the most part, and I I really liked Nancy actually. Yeah. She's kind of, like, yeah. dealing with a lot, and she, like, stands up to her mom and her dad, and even, like, she's trying to, like, assert herself, and her hands are tied in some way, and, like, she can't save her friends. Right. Um, I think, I really like Nancy. I'm kind of all in on her. Yeah, I, I, I like her, too. I think she's, like, one of the best parts of this movie, is, like, her uh, journey through this film. Yeah, and um, she's, like, one of the more resourceful final girls, and it's really, like one of the few final girls where the movie is like really really truly about her yeah but uh so it's interesting you you call her a final girl because is she a final girl like what what even happened at the end so yeah the end is ambiguous i think her mom really did die and she really did defeat freddie 
she or at really least, did like keep him at bay. She learned to keep him at bay. But if you like follow with the sequels, Freddie is not completely defeated. Right. But I think she's gotten the better of him. I can't remember. She comes back in the third one. Right. How how is it you think she defeated Freddie if like it ends with basically uh I'm assuming like the ending like she's in a dream and like uh, we see her mom get taken away and her and her friends get taken away in in a car. Yeah, I think it's just that she no Freddie is no longer going after her because she took away like his energy by turning her back and saying she didn't believe. Mhm. But he still got her mom and he still it's basically like yeah, your friends are still cuz she says she wants she tells Freddie before she turns her back on him that she wants her mom and her friends back. Yeah. And I think this dream is like telling her, yeah, they're still dead. Like, so I dream, may not be yeah. able to get you, but you're not changing the past. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So at the end, you're saying, uh, is that whole thing a dream? Like when she walks out the door, her mother gets taken away and the friends all like are in the car, but the car turns into Freddy Krueger basically. Uh, is your interpretation that that's a dream? Yeah, that whole thing's a dream. Whose dream would it be? The mother's dream? I think it's Nancy's dream. Okay, so Nancy's still in a dream and like still fighting Freddy then basically, right? Well, yes and no. Like Freddy's not trying to kill her in the dream. He's trying to kill her mom. Oh, okay. So it's, I think it's still maybe even just like a dream about Freddy and we don't see Freddy. Yeah. Well... S- he, he kind of comes through the window and grabs the mom, right? Yeah, I guess maybe you see his hand come through the window. That's true. Mm-hmm. But that could easily just be a dream that Nancy's having. That, okay. You know, it could Freddie could be causing that, or it could just be a dream that she had about the trauma that's just occurred. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a very ambiguous uh, ending, but that, that's an interesting interpretation. I kind of, I got the impression that, yeah, everyone's dead and she, she didn't make it out. And that whole idea that she, like, she got him by not believing in him or walking away from him uh, wasn't true, which is weird because that's kind of like what it builds up for for the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, she's she's alive and well in the third one, so. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked her a lot. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't like the other characters and I thought the parents were like the worst and, and the police were terrible. And, uh, I, I liked the aspect of like showing like how this whole, uh, society or around her, like the people around her who are supposed to be responsible are just like the worst people. Yeah. Yeah. And like her mom sucks, but it's kind of supposed to. Oh, okay. But even then I like still like really don't like the mom. I don't, I don't like the performance there. <laughs> Yeah, the performance was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> There's this one part where she's in the kitchen and uh, she's like pulls a, like she's got a bottle of like liquor out with her, like on, on like two or three scenes. And uh, did you, did you notice like she picks up the bottle and then looks at the ground and then the daughter grabs the bottle and drops it on the ground? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I think the timing was like way off on, on her acting, but somehow she, she made it in that film. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, not, not the best actor. Yeah. Are you surprised at all that this became a franchise after this film? I'm not. I mean, it did great at the box office, but I think it really, like, captures the imagination. Like, it's a captivating concept. Mm-hmm. Like, even just the premise I alone, like, that there's someone who can kill you in your dreams is really yeah. cool. But then the fact that this had a main character like Nancy who's so appealing to young people and kind of flirted with reality. Like, I think it's really cool that you can have a slasher where, like, there's a scene where 
the phone rings even though it's not plugged in. Mm-hmm. Like something yeah. like that is simple, but the ability to make a slasher more dynamic by adding a scene like that is really yeah. cool to me. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked like I, I feel like visually like some of those like plot premises and stuff. Th- those are really cool to see. And you're right. Like that. That's not like where a slasher has gone before. Right. Like Tina floating in the room and being pulled onto the ceiling, or the body bag yeah. being dragged down the hall. Like that's just really cool stuff that you can't do in a, in a straightforward slasher. True. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you change the rules on everything and like make everything could could potentially be a dream, then yeah, the, the, there are no rules. Like you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And that's kind of. Yeah, so my my take is that I think that makes this a really, really rich movie and like opens a lot of possibilities. And the the sequels, like for better or for worse, depending on your opinion, like they continue to go bonkers routes and like sure. it's just fun. It's fun to see what they can do. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's that's cool. Yeah, they it, it gives the director and the the writers a lot of freedom. Um, and uh, I really liked uh, the bathtub scene where uh, the hand comes out of the water. Uh, that was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. That's definitely cost. another iconic one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but like for me, slashers, uh, I, I think what makes them so scary is like the more the realistic nature of it. Um, and like we're at Halloween, like you got a guy like breaking into your house and like, you're like in your room and stuff and it, it kind of that reality of like, this could be like, you know, happening to you today. Someone could break into your house and like try to stab you with a knife. I, I feel like slash is generally like the being grounded in reality is like what gives it that fear is like you, you got a real person with like a, uh, a real knife, like coming for, uh, for your jugular basically. Sure. Yeah. It plays on different fears. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess there aren't too many, uh, fantastical versions of it. And so this is pretty unique in that sense. Yeah. 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 I hear what you're saying. I like that about it, but I, I could see why it could be a bit of a drawback too. Sure. How do you rank uh, Freddy compared to like like from a villain perspective? Where do you put Freddy compared to like uh, Mike Myers, Jason, and uh, Leatherface? Well, Mike Myers was always my favorite, but then after I binged this whole franchise, Freddy Freddy is now my favorite. Wow! So you're like up on the franchise. I am for sure. Yeah. All right. Do you realize uh, any of these uh, victims could just pee their pants and wake up and they'd be fine? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what you always do when you're having a nightmare? Like, ah, shit, is this a dream? Let me pee my pants to make sure, and then. Yeah. <laughs> Did you feel like that's like? Dude, <laughs> I usually just poop instead because that's more sure to wake me up. <laughs> yeah. No half measures. You go all the way. <laughs> if this was a dream. Then could I be doing this? Right I mean, now? if Freddie's involved, then yeah, you better believe full on poop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might as well just drop your pants. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like there's so many ways to, to cheat this. All you gotta do is wake yourself up. Uh, and the other thing uh, that I thought was interesting, and I don't know if you have an explanation for this, but there's a song that they use in this movie, right? The one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Yep. And and the characters seem to know it, uh, even though they haven't like connected the dots to say we're all having the same dream and this guy's Freddy Krueger. How, how do you think everyone knows this song? Well, they heard it in their dreams, right? Oh, and oh, okay. So the whole town's like all the kids have heard it in their dreams, and that's why they're singing it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay, okay. I got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Creepy little song. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and then the connection is that everyone, uh, all these parents, they live on Elm Street, 
and that's where these kids live who are now like getting hunted basically yeah he's like getting revenge on these parents by hunting their kids interesting interesting yeah uh why do you think that uh all of her home alone traps didn't work on him at the end i guess i mean it and you know that's one thing that i could maybe a sticking point for some people the rules are a bit unclear like how yeah. did he get out of that basement like how long could he be on fire and be okay like right yeah yeah they yeah, i think that that one thing was hard for me because it's like yeah the r- rules were unclear like uh okay so you can bring him out of a dream then you can like beat him up but apparently that doesn't do anything but then if you stop believing in him he disappears but apparently you're still in a dream at the end and you don't know uh exactly what what he's done or who he's going after um, in one of so the later lot. sequels he's revealed to be kind of like a demon Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Or at yeah, least a that... demon embodies him. Sure. That's or pretty like cool. like he's the embodiment of a demon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that angle. That, that sounds pretty neat. Yeah. Did you feel like this was maybe like the um, original Inception? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going into your dreams to like fight these uh, bad guys, basically? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that I awesome need to watch that movie again. Oh, man. That's a good one. Uh, all right. Well, what do you think, man? Zero to five uh, tongues coming through the phone. Yeah, <laughs> the tongue through the phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with two, man. I, I thought it was pretty out there and crazy. And uh, yeah, it's original in, in the fact that it's taking a slasher into a new territory. But uh, I feel like the lack of clarity on the ending and like the rules um, and the fedora kind of uh, mess with me a little bit. So maybe I need to see more of the series to kind of understand where they take his character but uh, yeah, this time only only two tongues through the uh, phone. What All about right. you? Wow. Well, we'll watch the uh, the next one maybe for sequel September or something. I, I honestly think you might like the next one better. I am really interested in this in the second one based on like what you've told me about like it kind of going into uh, yeah the the character being uh, uh, it was it's it's like an implied like that he's a gay character, right? Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, and there's like it's more psychological. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty neat. I give uh, this. What, five tongues through the phone what come on man <laughs> dude yeah, you are the one i should be saying what to this is a night this is like one of the most classic horror movies of all time i i don't know how it like it, the, the acting's terrible like the dialogue is, is whatever to me like this is like who the fuck's wes craven and why, why do people like this guy that, that that's like what i was thinking the whole time dude you love scream <laughs> oh yeah scream yeah scream is like way above this and like you know that's like a slasher with like a realistic premise and uh like a good amount of humor i, I feel like the humor was kind of missing in this one and uh yeah the characters like i don't know they, they, they just didn't make sense visually like so many cool visuals but outside of that I, I don't know like what what everyone's crazy about on this one i don't think the acting is really that bad man between like the mom and the daughter and the dad no, I mean, the dad is, like, a legit respected actor. Yeah. Uh, the mom, yeah, the mom kind of stinks. But I thought I thought Heather Langenkamp did a decent job. Um, okay, so imagine you're the dad, right? Uh, you're the lieutenant of police. There's been a murder at the house across the street from, like, where your family lives. And your daughter's like, you got to come back here in 20 minutes. And he basically just ignores that and uh, does, like, whatever he wants. I mean... He's not worried that, like, a killer is on the loose and could potentially be in the house across the street or something? I mean, that's not acting. That's... Yeah, I guess, yeah, that, that's more like uh, the, the character and, like, their decision-making, basically. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the adults are unreliable. That's part of it, you know? But Un- Unreliable, would you all say, like, unbelievable? I don't necessarily think so. Like, his daughter's in a house with bars on every window and the door locked, like... And she's talking about this guy in her dreams, and that's who's killing everyone, is someone, like, who kills them via their nightmares. Like... Yeah. They think she's crazy. Or, not crazy, but, like, they think she's snapped in a way. I don't know, because on the other hand, you have, like, these three murders that are unexplained. You have your daughter who's mentioning a name of someone you know that, like, you killed at some point. Um, and, and, like, who's the crazy one? Because, like, the mom, if you saw a mother, like, kind of, like, locking her child in like that and, like, barring the place, uh, as, like, lieutenant, you don't think, like, that's, a, that's enough red flags to be, like, hey, this doesn't make sense? Yeah, fire hazard. But also their <laughs> daughter hasn't slept in, like, seven days. Like, sure, they're worried about her health. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, but uh, are they, like, just ignoring, like, the advice from the sleep clinic in terms of, like, she was off the scale on that dream? Um, I think that guy just kind of thought the machine was broken or something. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. And then, like, the mom thought, like, she brought the hat in there and, like, stitched the name Freddy Krueger on it? Yeah, she didn't know where she got the hat. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, so some of these characters and their actions, uh, like the kids, I, 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 like Nancy, I think she's believable, and like the kids, like you can kind of uh, uh, buy into, except for that guy who's from like West Side Story. But uh, the adults and the parents are just like, yeah, so unbelievable for me. All right, man. All right. I want to say that I grew up watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because I'm sure maybe you did too. Mm-hmm. And doesn't this feel like an influence on Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh yeah. Like it's just yeah, got right. such so much of that vibe. Like yeah. the music especially and like some of the like soft focus in the dream sequences. Sure. Yeah, 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 the hazy sequences. I could totally see that. And I think that's part of what I love about it so much. Like there's definitely like I can I think this movie holds up like on paper, but there's definitely mm-hmm. some nostalgia and like heart strings being pulled on for me that's part of why i give it a five like yeah even though i didn't see it until i was an adult it just really brings me back to like that are you afraid of the dark era like oh i see it's everything i love about like being scared or like staying up late at night to watch a movie as a kid yeah 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 i I could see it from that uh lens being like a a really fun watch as as a kid and it kind of like hits on like all the things you're scared of in one film yeah yep that's that's pretty cool and so you're still, you, you like the series and you think Wes Craven's a worthy director. I do. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I and know, he man. does a really good, Wes Craven's new nightmare is like, a, yeah, you might like that one even better too. It's like a tighter script and pretty clever. It's like meta, like Heather mm-hmm. Langenkamp plays Heather Langenkamp. Oh, cool. Okay. So it's cool. It's like kind of a precursor to Scream in the, in the meta sense, but, uh. But yeah, yeah, he does. He does. That's not one of my favorites in the, uh, in the franchise. But he does a really good job with that one. Yeah, that's actually, cool. one of my it, the reason it's like not one of my favorites is because it's not quite in keeping as some of the like sillier illogical stuff. Oh, so sure. that Tonal might be change. why you might like that one better. Yeah, that sounds more similar to like uh, the the stuff I like about Scream, where like that's like pretty meta, I think. Yeah. Uh, as well. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm curious to see more of the franchise, and, and hopefully, I can get bought into it more. Cool. All right, man. We'll do it. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Anything else? Uh, No, I'm good. Cool. 
All right, everybody, that has been our discussion on A Nightmare on Elm Street. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps other people find our show. Uh, let's see. You can find our website, horrormovieclub.com. Links to all our socials are there, Facebook, Twitter, and our Discord server where we're hanging out with listeners and talking about movies. Facebook and Twitter is where we announce what we're doing next week. So if you want to follow us there, you'll get a jump on things. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. You can check her out on Etsy.com. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. We only have a couple of bonus episodes on there, but one of them is my solo rant about the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh, and until next time, maybe when you go to sleep tonight, you should have someone stay awake and watch over you via Zoom, just in case. I'm sure you can <laughs> find plenty of people on the internet willing to do that. Yeah. Or mm. or wear a diaper, too. In case you <laughs> just... need to shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you can find people on the internet who'd really love to watch you shit yourself in your sleep. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, I <laughs> you know, Ashwin's over here licking me through the phone, so I bet I bet he's down. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Hit me up, guys. <laughs> <laughs>